Hide me now. Open the eyes. 
Why Christmas? That was the question I presented to you last week, and one I hope you gave some thought to. It does seem to be a bit much, doesn't it? For a whole month, and for some, several weeks more, we focus our thoughts on the birth of a baby who came 2,000 years ago. Does that really have anything to do with my life today? There are a lot of people who ask that question and who wonder why Christmas. And as Christians, we need to be able to address that question. Last week, I shared with you that in Luke 2, verses 10 and 11, God gives us four answers to the question, why Christmas? And each week of the Advent season here, I want to take one of those answers and, and unpack it a little more for you. I hope it helps you and your understanding of Christmas, and I especially hope that it helps you when you have these dialogues with other people who wonder why Christmas. So let me share this scripture with you. Luke 2, 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Do not be afraid. That's the first words that the angel spoke to the shepherds. And they give us the first answer to the question, why Christmas? Christmas casts out fear. Why would the angel start that way? If I ring your doorbell and you open the door, I don't say, do not be afraid. You might be. <laughs> why is the preacher here? You know, I don't know. Uh, now, in the context in which it happened, we, there's, a, there's a very apparent answer to that question. Think about these shepherds. They're just kind of sitting around on the hillside. It's a typical night. Nothing happening. Uneventful. And then all of a sudden, boom! There's this appearance of an angelic being, and he speaks to them. I think fear is a good response to that, one we would all have. So he tells them, do not be afraid, because he knew that they were afraid. But I want to look at the bigger picture of that statement. Because it's not just here. Do you know that, that God or angels speaking for God say, do not be afraid or fear not? more times than any other statement in the Bible. 365 times. God says, don't be afraid. I think there's two reasons for that. One, God understands that we live in a fearful world. 
All you got to do is pick up a newspaper or turn on a newscast to see something that can cause fear in our lives. But fear is a natural consequence of our sin. If you go back into Genesis, when Adam and Eve first disobeyed God, the first thing they felt was shame and fear. The Bible says that God came along and was taking a walk in the garden in the cool of the day, as he often did. And normally, Adam and Eve welcomed his presence. They enjoyed his presence. But this time when God came, they hid. They were ashamed because they knew they had sinned. And when God called out to them, he said, why, you know, where are you? Now, I think God probably knew where they were. But this is really the first recorded game of hide and seek. But he went along, and Adam said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. And ever since that day, our world has been filled with fear. So I think God says, do not be afraid a lot, because we live in a fearful world. But he also says it because he has come to dispel our fear, to cast out our fear. It's almost as if the angel was saying to the shepherds, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Your Savior has come. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And the message of Christmas is that God loves us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loves, so God gives. And the message of Christmas is that God loves and God has given. That Christ has entered our fearful world and he has come to cast out our fear because now we have a Savior. And I love what John said there that there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Because that means that the one who knows me best loves me the most. The one who knows every fault every failing, every shortcoming in my life loves me the most. And when I truly understand that, fear goes away. Until I was preparing this message, I really had no idea how much Fear was a part of the Christmas story. We don't really talk about that. I mean, we've sentimentalized the Christmas story. It's a nice story. It's a story you want to read to children. It's a story about a little baby. 
and Mary and Joseph and shepherds and the wise men. But if you really read it, you find that there was a lot of fear in that first Christmas. Let me just... Let me just run some of this by you. Nine different times it said that someone was afraid. Zechariah was afraid when he was in the temple and the angel announced to him the birth of John the Baptist, who was to be the forerunner of Jesus. Mary was afraid when Gabriel appeared to her and said, you're going to bear the Son of God into the world. Joseph was afraid when he found out that his fiancée was pregnant and it wasn't his. Mary and Joseph were both afraid when they found out that they had to travel late in her pregnancy to Bethlehem, a journey of about 70 miles, either walking or riding a donkey. Mary and Joseph were afraid when they got to Bethlehem and found out there's no place for you, and they ended up having their child in an animal stable. The shepherds were afraid when the angel appeared to them on the hillside. King Herod was afraid when the wise men came and said the prophecies have been fulfilled, that a new king has been born. Mary and Joseph were afraid when they found out that Herod was trying to take the life of their child. And the wise men were afraid to return to Herod because they didn't want him to know where the child was. Fear was such a part of the first Christmas. And yet, out of the nine times people were afraid, in eight of them, people dealt with their fear by leaning on their faith. There's only one who did not do that, and that was King Herod. King Herod was afraid, he was filled with fear that Christ was born, that he was going to challenge his power, his dynasty, and he acted out of fear and committed a great atrocity. Everyone else, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, they all allowed the Christ of Christmas to cast out their fear. Could we do the same? Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? And that was a rhetorical question because they already knew the answer. If Christ is for us, who can be against us? No one. Nothing. 1 John 4, 4 says the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And he's talking about the devil or Satan or whatever you choose to call him. The, the author of evil. The one who causes all the influence of evil and suffering and pain and death and fear in our world. Greater is the one who is in us than he that is in the world. And that one is Christ. The world may be filled with fear, but when my life is filled with Christ, that casts out my fear. I can't help but wonder, 
how many God-given dreams have gone unrealized because of fear? How many God accomplishments have gone undone because of fear? How many times has fear kept us from reaching out with forgiveness to someone? How many times has fear kept us from mending that broken relationship? From stepping out in faith to do something that we know is right, from standing up to speaking up, to doing whatever God may be leading us to do, and we just don't do it because we're afraid, because it's uncertain, it's unknown, and we just don't know what's going to happen. I understand. I've been there. My greatest regrets in life are not things I've done, but things I didn't do. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live a could have, would have, should have life. I want to allow Christ to cast out my fear. A man was asked one time what he thought to be the wealthiest place on the planet. And I love his answer. He said the wealthiest places on the planet are not the Middle East with all the oil or South Africa with its diamond mines. The wealthiest places on the planet are cemeteries. Because there you will find buried in the ground potential never realized, dreams never pursued, people who were imprisoned by fear and who lived a small life. Christ doesn't call us to live small lives. Christ calls us to live an abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And you can't have a full life, you can't have an abundant life if your life is ruled by fear. So he says, I will give you the courage to overcome your fear. I will give you the strength to be greater than your fear. I will give you the determination not to be ruled by fear. So let me share with you three things that we all can do to allow the Christ of Christmas to overcome our fear. First thing you have to do is acknowledge your fear. There is something to be afraid of. Sometimes we live in denial. But I have to acknowledge there is something to be afraid of. And then you follow that up with the second thing, which is you have to own your fear. I am afraid. And that's a hard one. That's a hard one. I think especially for us guys sometimes. 
Who wants to admit, I'm afraid? Remember the third Rocky movie? Think a moment. You know, in, in, in Rocky three, he's the champion. And he uh, is scheduled for a big fight against a guy called Clubber Lang. Isn't that a great boxing name? Clubber Lang. And the, as he's heading out for the fight, his manager has a heart attack. And during the fight, he dies in the locker room. And, and Rocky just cannot get his head around this fight. And he's defeated. He's beaten badly. And his former nemesis, Apollo Creed, comes to him and said, it doesn't matter that you lost that fight, but you lost for the wrong reasons. And you've got to get it back. And, and so for much of the movie, he's trying to get him to train. He's trying to get him to get back to where he was because he knows he can beat this guy. But Rocky's heart just isn't in it. And his wife, Adrian, comes up to him and says, what's wrong? You've never been like this before. And Rocky looks at her and said, I am afraid. For the first time in my life, facing an opponent in the ring, I am afraid. And she talks about that with him and he reaches the point where he realizes that he will regret it the rest of his life if he gives in to his fear and refuses to rise to that challenge. And so he begins his training anew and he's the old Rocky again. And at the end of the day, he wins that fight. That's what we have to do. We have to acknowledge there is something to be afraid of and then we have to own it. I'm afraid. But see, that's where a lot of people stop. We don't stop there. The third thing we have to do is override our fear with our faith. We can't let fear have the last word. But like Mary, like Joseph, like the shepherds, like the wise men, we entrust our fear to the one who is greater than fear. And we allow the Christ of Christmas to cast out our fear. Never forget what John wrote. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. You will never have a more perfect love than God has for you. It's a love that doesn't quit. It's a love that's totally unconditional. And it's a love that will be with me from the moment I receive Christ until the moment I enter into his kingdom. Christmas casts out fear. Let us pray.
God, I am so thankful that you help us to overcome our fear. You don't mean for us to live in fear. You don't want us to live in fear. There's a lot to be afraid of in this world. Every day, something happens that makes me want to be afraid. But I pray that we can rise above our fear by faith. That when we look at that baby in the manger, we will see Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, embodied in that little baby. And may we know that as we celebrate this Christmas season, that the Christ of the manger can cast out our fear if we put our hope and trust in him. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Christmas season is a, a good time to kind of evaluate where you are in terms of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have a relationship at all, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and been baptized in his name, open your heart to receive him. And what greater time than Christmas to do that? If you're here this morning and don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't need to leave here that way. I'm going to invite you to come. Uh, as we sing this, this song together, I'm going to invite you to come. And I will receive you. I will pray with you. I will lead you in a simple statement of faith that says, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism. And you can have the Christ of Christmas in your heart. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 193, verses 1 and 2. i
Take time to be holy. Speak often with God. Find rest in Him always. And feed on His Word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak. Cheers.